0: God's plan has been redemptive. God's plan from the beginning of time means that He he was determined to pay a price to set you free. We can't redeem ourselves, but God loves us so much that He made a way to redeem us.
1: Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank senior pastor, Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. If
0: you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Luke chapter 22 this morning. Luke chapter 22. And I regret this morning that we're still using the, I don't know what these things are called. I know they're individual communion cups, but I think we all agree there's probably a better name that's probably a little more derogatory um, that we could use. But on a normal Lord's Supper, which I can't wait till we get back to, uh, we would have before us the the juice and and the bread, the elements sitting there. And it's a picture it's given to remind us. And so this morning, as I was thinking about that, I was, I was thinking about memories and the significance of the Lord's Supper and what it reminds us. And I was thinking about houses, right? We all have things in our house that, that remind us of stuff. And so I was going to tell stories, but I thought, why well, tell stories when I can just bring in the object lessons, right? So I brought in three things this morning, just that are in my house that, that just remind me uh, of different things. And one is, is, is this airplane. It's a uh, it's made by the Hubley Toy Company. They, don't, they do not exist anymore. It, it, they were models. You, it's a metal model, and you would, you would put it together. And my grandfather loved uh, to collect Hubley toys. And, and he really loved this one. I don't know why. I think it's a P-51. I am, I am not up on my... Luke, is that a... No, what is it, Luke? P-39. Um, <clears throat> whatever. Uh, but he, he loved it. And every time I see it, it it reminds me of the times that we would go up to Pennsylvania and we would go to these huge flea markets and we would get up at four o'clock in the morning and he'd take a flashlight and and peek underneath people's tarps. And for the life of me, I can't remember if we ever bought anything at four o'clock in the morning because I was a zombie at four o'clock in the morning. And he's like, hey, look here. I'm like, huh? Okay, fine, whatever. But we'd have those great trips. It, It reminded me of that. You've heard me talk about my grandmother and her her biscuit making, and, and this this is the bowl. Uh, I don't I don't even know how old this bowl is. Just an old wooden bowl, and, and and that's where the flour would would sit, and she kept it up in the cabinet. She was short, so it was on the bottom shelf, and, and she would take it out uh, twice a day and and make biscuits for breakfast and and for dinner. And it just it kind of, you know, I would keep that in the house and spurs that memory, and I brought this in this morning, I I don't know if I've brought this before, I think I've posted it on Facebook, but this is a donut roller, it's from Ohio, and the story behind that is when Atlanta and I went to Charleston on our 20th anniversary, um, that we were sitting in Justine's down in Charleston, if y'all have ever been to Justine's or have heard about them, she was on Travel Channel great fried chicken. And, and that was sitting right there beside it. And, and I guess just because my grandparents collected the antiques, I just looked at it and I thought, oh, I want that. And I asked the owner if I could buy it. And the owner told me no. Um, and I was like, okay. And so Alana then went back and uh, took it on herself to find me one and bought it. And we thought, like I said, we thought it was a biscuit cutter. And I used it one time to make biscuits. It didn't cut very well, but it's a donut cutter so, maybe if I made donuts, it, it would work better. But I keep that up just to remind me of our, our trip there, you know, and, and the great time that we had. But all of you, you have things like this in your house. Well, just, just for one minute, just take 10 seconds. Think of one thing that makes you smile in your house that brings back a good memory. All right? We, we all have them. We, we all have those things in our house, they, they evoke memories and, and remind us. They connect us to to people. Uh, They connect us to places, to to events. What is important to us in our lives? The Lord's Supper this morning does the same thing. It connects us to the person of Christ, to to the event of of his crucifixion, and, and to our salvation and so when we see it, just, just the scene of the symbols of, of the elements remind us of that. And so this morning, as we study Luke uh, chapter 22, I, I want to read what Jesus says, and then I want us to look at what the Lord's Supper reminds us of. So Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse one, and I'm going to read down to verse 20. Uh, Twenty one says now the feast of the unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray them, betray him to them, and they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. "'The teacher says to you, "'Where is the guest room "'where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? "'And he will show you a large upper room furnished. "'Prepare it there.' "'And they went and found it just as he had told them, "'and they prepared the Passover. "'And when the hour came, "'he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. "'And he said to them, "'I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you "'before I suffer. "'For I tell you, I will not eat it "'until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God.' And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, "'Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on you will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes.' And he took the bread which he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, "'This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.' And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, "'This is the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood.'" So this morning, Luke chapter 22, we're, we're right before the crucifixion of Christ. He's in the upper room. He's, he's They're at the Passover, and he takes it, and it goes and becomes the Lord's Supper. And it gives us a chance to look back and remember. And I want you to see three things that it causes us to remember this morning. The first thing I want you to notice is this. The Lord's Supper calls us to remember God has a plan. Okay? God has a plan. Now, we need to remember something, or understand something, and that the Lord's Supper does not stand on its own. Now, Jesus is God, and, and he could have just come and said, hey, let's, we're going to start a new meal. He's God. He has the authority to do that. But as you read this passage, you see, and we're immediately called to the fact that it's the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and it says, which is called the Passover, So the Lord's Supper is connected to these two, to the feast and the Passover. Now, just just a little bit of history here. They're basically the same thing even though they're not. And and the reason why is the Passover uh, occur at the same time, and the feast of the unleavened bread occur at the same time. So while they're distinct. It's, it's one of those things where you have two distinct things that happen, but you just kind of lump them together as one because they happen right next to each other. So the Passover would happen one day, and the Passover was one day, but immediately the next day began the seven-day feast of the unleavened bread. And so they just kind of lumped them together. The feast of the un- unleavened bread is not actually the Passover. However, since they were celebrated together, they just, Luke just wrote, which is called the Passover because they're, they're celebrated together. And as they are celebrating them, as we talk about the Passover and talk about the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, what we, we need to remember is that God gave feast for a specific reason. Right? Now, this is very different than Baptist feast. right? Baptists will have a feast just because we're Baptist and we like to eat. There's no significance sometimes to the feast other than that's what we like to do. That's the significance. When God gave a feast in his word, It was tied to something specific. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread and the Passover together were called for Israel to commemorate Israel's deliverance from Egyptian bondage. The Passover, specifically, how the angel of the Lord passed over their house in Egypt, and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread remembers the hardship that Israel faced as they left. So Jesus now celebrating this as as a, a devout Jew would do, the disciples, devout Jews would do he's celebrating this meal with them, and he takes it and he takes all of its historical significance and he takes with it and gives it a new meaning, but it's not a new meaning that is detached from anything else. the new meaning that Jesus gives to it demonstrates the continuity of God's plan. That God has a plan. And we can trace that plan all the way back to Genesis 3.15 where after the fall, God comes and, and he says, hey, you know, this is your curse, woman, for eating the fruit. Adam, this is your curse for eating the fruit. Serpent, this, this is your curse. But in the, the midst of all those curses, he, he gives that, that hope and we see that plan where he says one day from the woman, a seed from, from the woman will come up and he will rise and, and he will crush the serpent's head. And that, that, that verse starts to tell us God's plan, of how he's going to fix fix the brokenness that sin has created in the world. And then as you read from Genesis 3, 15 on, every book, every verse, every word is the outworking of God's plan. Now, I, I will confess, at times, it's kind of complex, it's a little bit difficult to understand. And we read it and we go, God, if that was me, that's not how I would have done it. I mean, right, we, we look at God's plan and, and, and you ever read some of the Old Testament passages where God's working in Israel and going, God, if I were you, I would have done it a little bit differently. I mean, after all, you knew what Saul was going to do. Maybe you shouldn't have picked him. I wouldn't have picked him just because he was the tallest. I mean, God, really, is that the best way to, to pick a king because he was the tallest? Um, is that, that was God's plan. That, that was God's plan. God, are, are, are you sure the best part of your plan is to lead Israel into captivity down into Babylon? Because, you know, God, if, if, if I were you and these were my people, I, I don't think that I'm going to carry them back off into captivity and stick them in, in, in Babylon. God, are, are, I, you should have asked. I, I would have had something better. You know, w- w- we don't understand. Sometimes God's plan is Plainly obvious. We can look back on some of the prophecies of the Old Testament and say, you know, there's going to be one who is born in Bethlehem who, who, who's coming. There, there's going to be a virgin who gives birth to a child. Look for the, Sometimes the plan makes sense. However, whether we see it clearly or it's kind of complex and we don't quite understand, the plan does not change. It's God's plan. And as it moves from the Old Testament to the New Testament and Jesus takes the Lord's Supper now and is demonstrating the continuity of the plan, what is happening is the shadows that we see in the Old Testament are given away to the reality. The the things that that have been prophesied before are, are, are being fulfilled. In each point of the plan... It's not, it's not just some abstract point over here, but they're in a line showing that God has a continuous plan from the very beginning. And his continuous plan leads us to remember the second point is, and that is, the Lord's Supper calls us to remember that God's plan is redemptive. That God's plan is redemptive. All right? They're celebrating the Passover, They're they're celebrating it, the unleavened bread. And from the time that they were little, they would have known immediately. They they were taught what the Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread is. So let us just take a quick reminder, quick uh, jumping back to Exodus to see what, what is so important about the Passover and the unleavened bread. Well, in Exodus chapter 11, the the Jews are in Egypt. They're in bondage. God is working through Moses, part of his redemptive plan, to bring them up out of Egypt. He sends plagues to Egypt to get Pharaoh to let him go. And and by the time we get to Exodus 11, there's been nine of ten plagues. Exodus 11 talks about the 10th plague, where the Lord speaks to Moses in verse 1, says, Yet one more plague I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. And so he, he's preparing them and he's telling them what to do. And then he says in verse 4, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great outcry through all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So he tells them there's another plague coming, the death of the firstborn. It's going to be horrific. It's going to be as bad as it sounds. Again, this is where we would probably interject and go, God, I've got a better idea. This is God's plan. So he tells them what's going to happen. And then in verse 12, he tells them what to do, which becomes the Passover. He says, this month is going to be the beginning of month, the first of the year. And he says, this is what you need to do. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the house in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of the raw or boiled and water, but roast it. And and it goes on to give this and says, you're going to be ready. And he says right here in verse 11, in this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and on the gods of Egypt. I shall execute judgment. "'The blood shall be a sign for you "'on the houses where you are. "'When I see the blood, I will pass over you, "'and no plague will befall you to destroy you "'when I strike the land of Egypt.'" And then he goes on and says, "'This is a memorial day, "'and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord "'throughout your generations, a statute forever. "'You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread.'" And so when we go through there and we read that and we read about the Passover and we read about the unleavened bread and we come to the Lord's Supper, what we are seeing is that God's plan is a redemptive plan. That God has a plan to redeem his people. Why does he give the plan in Genesis 3.15? To redeem his people from sin. To redeem them out of the slavery of sin and bondage that they are in. And in Exodus, we have, again, the shadow of what is going to become the reality in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. Because he tells them exactly how to be redeemed. There was one way that they could be redeemed. There's only one way. Even though God said that there's going to be a distinction between Egypt and Israel, he made sure to tell Israel, look, you still have to do this you still have to obey me and what did they have to do they had to slaughter the lamb and then put it on the side of the doorpost and at the top and every time you do that you got to think man it just it looks like a cross yes it does i don't think it's accidental so that when the angel of the lord comes through he sees the blood and skips over their house. Now, if, if they did not do that, what's going to happen to the house? The firstborn in the house would have died. What does that tell us? Now, there, there's an important truth in that. And here's the truth. God didn't spare them just because they were God's people. God spared them because the lamb took their place. Because when he tells them, he says, you get a lamb, one year old, and you slaughter that lamb, and the blood that would have been shed with the firstborn has now been shed by the lamb, and by that you will be free. Fast forward to Luke chapter 22. Jesus takes the Passover, takes that meal, the, the, the bread, he takes the wine, everything that they were supposed to do, and now he says, look, look at what God's plan is now. Same plan, new element. God's plan in the Old Testament was to redeem his people, God's plan in the New Testament is to redeem his people, but now instead of redeeming his people through the blood of lambs, he redeems his people through the blood of Christ. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to be the lamb. I'm going to be the Passover lamb. I'm going to be the one to die for you so that through my death, burial, and resurrection, you can be redeemed. That's why this morning I don't have a lamb. Because Jesus, in God's redemptive plan, paid for it all. There is no more need for a lamb. Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, right? Because that's what John the Baptist proclaimed, look, the Lamb of God. And and at that statement, sometimes sometimes we read Bible verses, and I've said this, I always say this, we read Bible verses and we don't think how people will respond. And we think people are going to look at John the Baptist and go, behold, the Lamb of God. And the first thing people would think was, no, he's not a lamb, he's a human. That's not what they would have thought. The Jewish person who heard John say that immediately would have went back to the Passover because the only lamb of God they knew was the Passover lamb. John's statement is a big flash of neon sign that a lot of people missed. You've been celebrating the Passover. Here comes the Passover lamb because throughout their history, there hasn't been the. The means one, one specific, Right? There's been a lot of Passover lambs, but there's never been the Passover lamb. And John looks at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. God's plan has been redemptive. God's plan from the beginning of time means that He He was determined to pay a price to set you free. See, we you know this, we we couldn't pay the price. We talk about sin and stealing, or lying and stealing in Sunday school this morning. I made the comment that we came to the conclusion we're all just a bunch of liars and thieves surrounded and live in a world with liars and thieves. I mean, it, 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 you want to see the reality of sin, get a bunch of Christians talking about how they sin. <laughs> yeah. We can't redeem ourselves. But God loves us so much that he made a way to redeem us. There's been a a great book was written years and years ago. I don't know if y'all are familiar uh, with the name W.A. Criswell. Uh, W.A. Criswell was the pastor of First Baptist Dallas for about 50 years. Uh, Criswell College uh, obviously was founded and established uh, by him. But he, he was best, not best known, one of the things he was best known for was a sermon that he preached that became a book. He turned it into a book. And the title of the sermon was the scarlet thread of redemption. And when he took the sermon and turned it into the book, he put this in the beginning of the book. He states, the Bible is a book of redemption. It is that or it is nothing of all. It is not a book of history, of science, of anthropology, of cosmology. It is a book of salvation And deliverance for lost mankind. And he is absolutely 100% correct. Because God's plan from the beginning is a plan of redemption that is culminated in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. He wanted to redeem you. He wanted to redeem you which brings us to the last point. The Lord's Supper calls us to remember God's plan was for us. It, it, it's personal. The Lord's Supper is, is not an impersonal meal. It, it's really not. And Jesus wants to, the disciples to make sure that they know this Verse 19, he takes the bread, gives thanks, breaks it, gives it to them. And he he says this, this is my body, which is given for you. I'm, I'm doing this for you. Yes, it's God's redemptive plan, but I'm doing it for you. He continues. Verse 20. This cup that is that is poured out for you for for you. For, for for you is the new covenant in my blood. What I'm about to endure on the cross from the beatings, the floggings, the the, 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 the ripped body is is it, it, it it's it's you. It's 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 for me. It's, it's, it's so personal that, that he would do this for, for us. That he wanted to redeem us. Now, we were talking about sin, and we were talking about lying and sin in Sunday school class, and we, we had a good time with that. But I want you to think of people you know or have read about And at some point, the thought has crossed your mind, or maybe you, you've said, well, there's no way to redeem that person. They're, they're beyond redemption. And we look at the circumstances or the situation that has happened in their life and, and, or the atrocities that they may have committed, and, and that's what we think. When we come to the Lord's table, there is a recognition that God didn't look at us that way and think that we were beyond being redeemed. Now, you're not, you're not going to get any argument from me that as God gives his word, certain sins carry a a higher civil penalty. The penalty for killing someone carried a much higher penalty in the Old Testament than cheating on your scales to to defraud somebody as it should. And that is true today. However, the lies or the stealing that we talked about this morning, the, the little white lie, the little uh, white stealing that we, 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 we tried to define this morning where income taxes just kind of do that. Or whether we went out and killed somebody still put us in the camp of being a sinner and needing to be redeemed. Because in God's eyes and in his law and his word it doesn't matter which law that we broke. It matters that we broke the law. And we need to be redeemed. We need God to do something for us because we can't do it. And so when Jesus takes the Lord's Supper and he says, look, I'm going to the cross. My body in fulfillment of Isaiah is going to be broken and beaten, My body is going to pour out its blood and fulfillment of Jeremiah and the new covenant is going to, to be poured out. And both of those, it's going to be done for you because you need to be redeemed. I need to be redeemed. It's personal. Listen to some other Bible verses. Just, just a few this morning. And, and, and pay attention to the personal pronouns. Romans five eight, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Galatians one four, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Anybody want to guess what those next two words are? For me. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Colossians 1.20, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. All of these you see, reminds us that as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, as we come to his table, that Jesus' body represented by the bread and his, that was broken and Jesus' blood represented by the juice was shed for us. In God's eternal, continuous, redemptive plan, Christ died for us. And he gives this meal for us to remember our Savior who died and redeemed
1: us. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.